0: Welcome to Converged Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm sitting down here with Kasten Spethman. She is a business strategist and fractional executive. She is retired professional windsurfer, recovering venture capitalist, nonconforming, near death surviving, adventure seeking, lifelong learning, and nomad entrepreneur. Kasten now coaches founders with tactical advice, tough love, and experiential insight. She hopes to find others to break societal expectations, stop sacrificing their true identity or calling, and live by their own rules as they build exceptional businesses. Kasten, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing today?
1: Good. I'm very good, and thank you for having me.
0: So a little backdrop for the, the listeners out there. Tenyet, um cologne introduced us and she was like you know what you know Caston really like needs to be on this episode talking about just with even just with your recent experiences um in the car industry and helping single mothers out or people with bad credit but we can get later on to into that episode because that was kind of the precursor to the end but we want to kind of move back to the origin story of how kind of everything kind of came together and so the first question is is like you know how did you Get to where you're at in the sense of why do you think our society is more accelerated by growth and not doing right by people? And what, in your experiences in the beginning, has brought you to those ideas to this point?
1: Sure. Well, I think it's been a long time coming. I think um, part of it is our cultural values uh, that money is very important, status, fame, things like that. So there's a cultural issue, but Everything has played into that. So, um, you know, when companies go public, it's all about shareholders. And when that started happening, it really took away from the customers and the humans behind everything. And so uh, that has just perpetuated. And then along came the technology age, which took more humans out of the equation and made it more impersonal. So, between the two of those, um, you know, we've, kind of created a, a world where people aren't very happy. There's very little customer service. Um, people aren't really, ex- you know, excited or happy to be at work or how they're experiencing other businesses. And <clears throat> it's really sad, and I think it's really taking a toll on our society. And it absolutely can change.
0: I totally agree. And thank you. And that's why this, this is why Converge Coffee has kind of come together is not just marketing, but it's more about the overall customer experience coming from that. And so since you mentioned like kind of the culmination of how things have kind of transpired, um, what has your experience been when doing right by people and still making money can actually come together?
1: Yeah, so I know we're gonna get into kind of the long story behind (laughs) the business that a friend of mine and I started. And what we found was our our entire intention was to treat people with respect and dignity in a industry that was so predatory and treated people so poorly. Um, And what we found was just by doing right by them, Um, treating people with respect and dignity and actually asking them what was the most important thing to them and delivering that. We grew a company, our company, over 500% in less than a year with zero advertising dollars because everyone talked about it. It's so uncommon to have good customer service that when people do, they tell everyone, right? So, um, I absolutely think that it can be done, and I'm not talking about, oh, you're not going to make any money if you do things the right way. It's about doing the right things and making money, and it's absolutely doable.
0: Yes, it's it's not a, an or, it's an and. How can Correct. we add on to that? And 100%. so, exactly. And so, what is, your, what is your view on delivering the best customer experience? What does that kind of entail and on a little deeper level just beyond, you know, the growth that you've seen and the zero ad dollars and how people are saying that, you know, what, what are you kind of noticing even at the customers that you have now? What are they kind of saying and how things have kind of snowballed?
1: So we have the majority of our customers are single moms. And so we ask them, what is the most important thing to you? Because they would come in and hug us and just were so grateful and so easy to work with and would sit and just tell us their whole story. I mean, they became our friends. And so we asked them like, well, what is the most important thing for you? And, and for, I should probably say, this is in the used car industry. And they said, um, the most important thing is that we have a reliable car that gets our kids to school, us to work, uh, to the grocery store, to the doctor's office, etc. And so, We looked at that and said, okay, well, how can we ensure that they're going to have a very reliable car? Um, And we made decisions around that, like bringing mechanics in-house so that we could service their cars at a reasonable price, uh, give them a loaner car, make sure it was really done right. Um, And, I mean, we've had people come in and say, this is the only bright uh, part of my day, is coming in here to make my payment and talk to you guys because you treat me well. And, you know, we've had people that have fallen behind maybe on their payments and we call and we ask, what's going on? Oh, my grandma died and I got laid off. And, you know, we're like, okay, let's figure this out. Let's work together. Um, The reward for that is you, you can't even put a price tag on it. To watch people who have been, they come in very defensive because they've been treated so poorly for so long that they're like, okay, I know I'm going to be taken advantage of, and I know they're going to treat me like shit. So I'm going to come in with, with, with my dukes up, right. And ready to fight. And when you're able to disarm that and they're like, they're so surprised and so shocked. Sometimes we're the only ones that have really treated them right and well in years. And to see the change in their reaction is, immeasurable. The other thing is, I'll point out, part of the reason we wanted to do this is so that we could kind of change the debt cycle, right? And I'll go into more of that later. But when you are doing something, not just to provide a good car right now, but a car that will last long enough for them to actually pay it off and own a car, which means their credit goes up, we're changing an entire culture and an entire cycle, right? So now their kids have a better chance of living with, you know, higher credit and not having to go through some of the things that they went through. And, and so we're really trying to make a change in the way things are done.
0: I absolutely love that. And, you know, I think I've I think you're more of a storyteller than me trying to grill you on questions and everything. And so I think it's really important for you to do things that you kind of um, put into place is kind of your own perspective. If you want to start from day one when things kind of, um, you kind of got this idea of just kind of treating people and humans, as people as humans, you know, yeah. As, yeah. as customers. Um, if you want to try to kind of, you know, mention your origin story all the way to, Um, Now of what is actually happening with the single moms, people who need reliable used cars and your thought process around that. I think everybody would kind of really enjoy the story of where you came from and and just kind of be inspiring in the sense of, you know, you don't have to sacrifice and have an uh, an or, but you can have an and and it can still work.
1: Absolutely. So, in 2004, I'll start here. At 2004, I was in a car accident that broke my neck and tore my jaw off, and it um, left me unable to work for two years, So, and numerous surgeries and physical therapy every day, eating through a straw for a year. And so, of course, my credit was very bad. After you go through that, you lose everything, your credit's um, bad. And I was treated like a criminal, like an absolute criminal, because I had bad credit. And the majority of people who file bankruptcy in this country is because of medical debt. I don't know if everybody knows that, but that is the truth. And, um, so, uh, I had already experienced it and my business partner, he came to me and he said, I want to do a business with you. And I, I'd already had, um, a couple businesses under my belt. One had failed. And I was like, I don't really want to do anything. I don't want to do another business. I just want to consult and, you know, do contracting work and, and, uh, he kept after me, and so I said, okay, well, if, if we do something, it has to move the needle. I'm too old to just do something to make money. I want to do something that makes a difference. And so he had been in the car industry in the finance world, right? And he had had a lady come in, and she was a veteran, uh, retired from the military, had a great job, and had a massive heart attack. And so she was out of work for a couple of years, and her credit was really bad. Luckily, she survived, got better, got a job, and um, was trying to buy a car because she needed to get to work, and no one would finance her. So here we have a veteran who, no fault of her own, had bad credit just because of a health reason, and she could not get a car, even though she had a job that would have made the payment. And and Nathan, my business partner, was so irritated that he was like, I'm just going to buy her the car. <laughs> and I said, we can't do that every time, Right. And so I said, that would be something that I would work on with you. And so we started out and it took us a couple of years to kind of figure out how do we do this? How do we tackle this? What is the problem? What is the the crux of this? And so we tried a couple of different things and then ended up because of the pandemic and so forth, we landed on opening a car dealership in Birmingham, Alabama uh, in a very you know poor part of Birmingham. And um, so we opened November of 2021 Um, We had a budget of $3,000 allotted for advertising each month, and after the first month, we pulled it because we didn't have enough cars on the lot. We were selling cars so fast, and we have never put another dime into advertising, and we have grown month over month over month. In fact, recently, Nathan had a guy come in and say, "Uh, so what gives? Uh, Everybody in my apartment complex, every car in my apartment complex has your sticker on it, so what's up? And Nathan's like, "Well, I guess everybody's buying their car here." and he's like, "Yeah, but why?" And so you know Nathan kind of shared with him why. and so um, there was a, there's a couple things. Let me tell you a little bit about <clears throat> the used car industry and why it's how it's so predatory. If you go to a buy here, pay here used car lot, they do your financing. They usually charge about 30 percent interest. Uh, unfortunately they sell you a car that isn't going to last very long right so let's say eight months or a year into it the car breaks down you don't have the money to fix it or it's not worth it um, and so the you stop making payments and the dealership uh, repos the car puts some lipstick on it resells it so they're just making money after money after money you've never even paid down on the principal you're only paying interest and now you don't have a car so what happens credit goes down even farther right? So it's a cycle, it's a perpetual cycle. It's very hard to get out of. So we said, okay, we're going to offer cars that are good, decent cars and they're going to run and we're going to give them a year warranty and we're going to do in-house mechanics and, 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 uh, you know, we're going to, our, our tagline is do better, expect better. And so we talked to our clients and we explained to them that this is a partnership. And in our partnership, we're going to help them as much as we can. And they got to do their part to help this partnership be successful. And it has worked. Um, Now, there's definitely been some learning experiences and some hiccups. Um, I'm not going to say it was the easiest thing. And and Nathan runs this day to day. So, you know, he uh, has to deal with some of the difficult parts of it. But um, he'll call me sometimes at the end of the day and be like, oh, my gosh, this, this lady came in and she told me her life story and he tells me the life story and I'm in tears. Like I've never heard of some of the horrible things that have happened to some of these people. I've never even heard of it. And, and they, you know, just say to him, you're, you're the only person that's, that's nice to me or you're the only person I trust. This is the only safe place I have to go we have couches in our dealership. So people can just hang out if they want to. And so we've grown, um, very quickly. Um, and so in July, so we're, that's like seven months in a, um, finance company comes to us and says, we'd like to talk to you about being your finance partner. And, um, Nathan's like, well, that's kind of odd because you usually don't talk to any business until they're at least two years old. And they're the biggest in this industry. And they said, yeah, but we've been paying attention. We want to know what you're doing. So we said, okay, we'll come to the dealership and and hang out and see what we're doing. And so they did that. And one of the things that they pointed out was, hey, you guys charge these people more of a down payment and more per month. Isn't that a little bit against what makes sense when these people are kind of struggling financially? <clears throat> and we said, well, yes, except for we make them have a higher down payment because it protects us and it makes them more um, like bought into it. Right. They're more committed. And so yes, it's we do make sure that they pay a higher down payment. And the reason they pay a higher per month is because we want them to be paying on the actual principal balance, not just the interest so that they can own the car. And they were like, Oh, and, you know, so um, we did say to them, look, there are certain things we will not budge on. So we'd love to for you to be our finance partner, but there are certain things that we will not change. And so they said, okay. And, and it took them longer to do their due diligence on us because we were so odd and because we don't fit the criteria that their underwriters wanted to see. But they see so much potential of how good this can be. And we were making a lot of money. There's that part of it, too, right? And so um, just about a week ago, they became our finance partner. Yeah. So now we can really provide great cars, great prices, and hopefully eventually expand,
0: right? That's the amazing thing is you facilitated an educational program Within how you priced and how you did things, and were straight and upfront with them, and articulated that in the sense, well, if we do this, do more of a down payment, do more per month, you're going to be able to pay this, this, and this off. And it's, it's more of just educating them and saying, Correct. instead of just paying the amount, and they're like, well, it's almost kind of like taxes, like when you're when you're a high school student and you're like, oh, I'm going to make this much money, and they're like, what's what's uh, this social security thing for? Why am I getting getting taxed for this? And just questioning things and, it, and it's, it's just going to, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. 100%. And people have become predatory on utilizing that and utilizing whatever math they're gonna get. But then all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like draining a pond or utilizing a pond and just getting the most out of it, but not putting, putting things back into the pond to make it sustainable and last even longer. And you're saying like, no, like let's educate and let's do this the right way in the sense of let's educate our customers. And we can educate the financial – this, you know, fi- finance partner of saying this is a different way of doing it. This is a, just a small pivot of, like, this is how we're going to educate customers. And that's kind of a beautiful culmination of you – and know, I think just how you lived your life because in the green room and even before when we were chatting, that's who you are. You're like, no, let's, let's do it a different way. Let's do something where it makes a, a lasting impact of not just – a transaction if they're getting a car, but what does that car mean for them? Or if I need to come back to that, you know, what is the feeling and what is the experience that you're trying to deliver? And I think that is, you just really mapped it out. And the story of like, this is what we did. Here's, here's our boundaries. This is what we go by. And of course, like there is going to be you know, every day is going to be uh, um, sunshine and rainbows, but you're still learning from people and their experiences of, like, okay, how can we help the majority out here of coming into here and seeing how we can work with them.
1: Right. Well, Rather than saying, like, here's,
0: just slap something on there and saying we have to charge you for it.
1: So one thing that's kind of interesting, and I think this is one of the challenges in society is people have asked me, like, well, why don't you go to other used car dealerships and Teach uh, the owners how to do this, and I was like, they don't want to do this. They have been doing this the same way since their grandfather opened the lot 70 years ago or 50 years ago. It's not. I mean, this. They don't want to change. They're making a ton of money. Um, but one of the things that I think has always been a part of who I am and how I've lived my life is that I've always challenged the status quo. I mean when the world goes right i go left that's just who i am and i've always been like that but i do think that we don't value or encourage people to question the status quo even though it's always been done like that is that the best way to do it i mean times have changed a lot do we still need to do it that way or is it done that way because we're greedy right and and so there needs to be the more human aspect of business in general, which is um, you, for too long, I think it's been all about making money and not about, are we providing a good service? Are we taking care of our customers and our clients? I mean, quite honestly, to me, the worst industry outside of used car dealerships is insurance, insurance companies. It's unbelievable the the things that they do, which I learned going through my car accident having to sue the insurance company of the kid who hit me and it is, it is disgusting what they will do to save money and to, they just will bleed you dry. It's awful. And I don't know that our, there's just so many industries right now that could really use a new look and a new, you know, hey, let's take a look at this. Does this really have to be this way? But that involves change and people are afraid of change. So my hope with with this is, and why I love being on, on shows like this, is because I want to share this story so that hopefully it inspires other people to take a look at their life and say, hey, what can I change? I had a guy that I spoke to last week and he wrote me a nice note about four days later and he said, thank you so much for sharing the story about the car dealership. I'm trying to figure out, I've been. I spent the weekend trying to figure out what is my car dealership in my life? What can I change? And I was like, "Oh my God, it's so cool um and that's my goal, right? I mean, we can do this. we can do this and And I'm happy to you know sit with a company and brainstorm like how can you change this? You don't have to do it the way it's always been done
0: I think that is leads us into our beautifully into our next part of the episode is the about you caston. It you know, you've kind of ex- exhumed uh what you do in work. So this is about work hobby and health. But if you want to kind of um go into a deeper of you know, you were a professional like wake- wakeboarder. Um you did other things that were outside the norm that just that inspired you. And I think just even just with anything that you could have mentioned, you want to kind of tie it all together of like you know, not yeah. beyond the car dealership and everything, you know, you know, this is about you. Yeah. What makes me me? Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, well, I think part of it is uh, so I had somebody um, asked to meet me uh, last week or this week, earlier this week. And when he got on, he said, um, Thank you so much for accepting my you know, offer to meet. I, I have this problem that I haven't been able to solve. And I thought maybe you could because you think so differently. And I was like, That's about the coolest compliment I could ever get. And I thought about why it is that I see the world differently and maybe do things differently. And I think it's a culmination of the, my life, right? And and my experiences and um, I am a first generation American. My parents are German immigrants. Uh, my mom is a German refugee from East Germany. She had to escape when she was 17. Um, so, you know, I was raised differently um, with a whole different view of the world really and culture and so forth. And, you um, I had a raging eating disorder when I was a teenager. So bad that I ended up in a hospital and I checked myself in because I wanted to live. And I, that made me really dive deep into who am I? I wanna live, so I better get a handle on this or I'm not gonna live much longer. Um, then you know, I graduate from college and I go windsurfing for four years around the world. And while I'm living in the Dominican Republic, a plane crashes and all 189 people die um, out right off the shore where I lived and and all the bodies came in and we had to clean them up because there's no national guard in third world countries. And I mean, all of those things, right? So the four years of trekking around um, the globe by myself, you have to solve problems, you have to figure stuff out. And so I think that really set me up for, okay, how do I solve this problem? And that really made me start to be creative and use logic, right, um, to figure things out. And after windsurfing, I fell into the world of venture capital. I'd never even taken a finance class a day in my life. And here I was 29 years old and uh, in the venture capital world with all these old, sorry, but white men. And they're like, what are you doing here? Are you here to serve us coffee? and i just thought oh isn't this going to be interesting and i was really good at it and my mentor actually said to me one time when i quit i was really burned out and he said um i said i'm just not good at this and he goes no no you actually really are good at this but your personality um is getting just beaten up in this world and because i'm wired different you know i want to do good by people and so I think that all of those things and then the car accident. So you lose everything and you have to rebuild while you're healing your body. And I mean, I couldn't talk for a long time. I had to eat through a straw, like I mentioned before, you know, you you find your own strength and you have to figure things out. And so I think that all of those things, you know, being involved in all sorts of businesses over 20 years. and meeting people from all over the world and all the travel, it's just made me different. Um, it's given me different perspective, I guess, is probably the best. And I, I'm a lifelong learner. I want to learn more. I want to try new things. And, you know, I'm, I'm a rebel. I've always rebelled against what the norm is. And, you know, I bought my first motorhome at 23. Like most people wait till they're 73 or 63 or whatever. Right. It's like, well, I'm not doing that. Even though at the time, like nobody my age had a motor home. I'm like, well, so, um, so yeah, I've just always had this very kind of not contrary, Like I call myself a sophisticated rebel because it wasn't rebellion. Like I'm going to wear black lipstick and, you know, tattoo my face kind of rebellion. It was just, I'm not willing to give up on who I am and what I want. Um, so I'm going to figure out a way to please others or, you know, make others get what they want while not giving up what I want. So like, for instance, when I was in high school, um, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, so halfway through, I decided I don't want to be here anymore. I'm bored. I A four point. I was bored out of my mind and I went to my parents and I said, I'm done. I'm moving to California. I'm going to open a bento stand and and just surf. And being German immigrants, they're like, No, you're not. No, you're going to go to, you're going to finish high school and you're going to finish college. And I was like, No, I got to go. But um, German parents can be a little bit intimidating and I wanted to see my next birthday. So I was like, Okay, okay, okay. And so I figured it out. So what I did was, Doubled up on classes, tested out of things. And um, in three, three months later, I was done. So I, I was done with high school in two and a half years. So my parents got what they wanted and I got what I wanted. Right. And so thus, Sophisticated Rebel was born.
0: I think that puts a nice little pin in this beautiful episode, Cass. And you, um, you have this awareness to not settle not to settle in yourself and not to settle for what other people in the sense of the status quo. Of, like if it's like people, a lot of people go into this world saying, well if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you're like, well but it is broke. It is. Like why not why not we why not try to fix it? And this just kind of goes throughout the whole episode of how you exhume wonderful customer experience within yourself in the sense of like it it starts not with a process. It doesn't start with a framework. It doesn't start with anything else. It it starts with having the conversation and even just having the idea of let's disrupt something, but doing it in a very sophisticated rebel way. So Kasten, thank you very so much for being on this episode.
1: I appreciate it so much. I had a wonderful time and um, yeah, I just hope that everybody takes a look around and says, what can I do? What can I do to, you know, disrupt the status quo?
0: Always question, even if it's going well, always question how can we make it just a little bit better, a little bit better. And to all the converged coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap.